Welcome to the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. I'm your host, Nathan Callanan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Lynch. We're coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, where it's currently 10.30 a.m. on Monday, the 2nd of November. <laughs> <Haven't>... <laughs> Sorry, I've got to do that again. I haven't looked at the date in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, on today's show, JL, we are going to be proposing some trades, some trade ideas. I know you've got there got some good ones there i've got some good ones uh we'll also be uh discussing the great news that has happened since we last spoke in some off the court moves for some clubs it's going to be a great one it's time for tip off when he's sticking you and taking all your money ladies and gentlemen please do not do not throw anything on the board you can enter the surprised by that and and the players are telling him not to be doing that once again welcome to the bronx sheer basketball show i'm joined by a guy whose microphone <laughs> is is not working no. jl g'day I, mate g'day mate <laughs> i was giving Nate some shit free show that he can't say g'day properly he says good day um, but yeah, having some technical difficulties on my side, so you have to put up with some uh, some shoddy <laughs> Apple Apple headphones that have stood the test of time at the moment. So not as clear as I normally sound. So all the uh, all the ASMR fans out there will probably be a bit disappointed, but still here and ready to talk some basketball. Everyone's going to be missing your deep your deep husky voice that you've got there, JL. I wouldn't call it deep, would you? I would really out of the out of the two of us. You're definitely oh, got the deeper voice. There you go. I've always thought I had a sort of not a high voice, but a, I guess it's one of those things you listen to yourself talk back, and it just doesn't really sound like you anyway. So who knows? I really, I really miss when we were recording in person with the, I guess you'd call it like analog setup, uh, with our handheld digital recorder, which sounds redundant now that I just said analog, <laughs> um, but we could hear ourselves and then that just naturally makes you change your voice to how you want to sound. Um, whereas now we use uh, online calling sort of platform and I can't hear myself, which, which just sucks. Anyway, let's get into it. Let's do it. Uh, so since we last spoke, the Millers who owned the Utah Jazz, after 35 years of ownership, they sold the Utah Jazz. And I'm not even sure how I've realized that I've left out the fee. I'm not sure if there is a fee. Was there a fee? Was it something like one or two billion or one and a half? Not that I know of. Something like that. Um, and they sold it to a guy named Ryan Smith, who is a longtime Utah resident and he's got a good relationship with the Jazz. This guy, Ryan Smith, he's 40 years old, JL. Can, and you, he, can you imagine being, what, 16 years older than we are? Yeah. Being out of purchase. <laughs> 40 years old and and this guy started and has already started and sold a software company worth apparently 8 billion US dollars and now he's buying his you know his boyhood club or whatever the Utah Jazz as you said what a dream 40 and has not a single thing to worry about how good is that oh, well I'd if love uh, the Bronx cheer really takes off like you're hoping oh I'll buy the Celtics and I'll liquidate them. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get on to the real news of the last week. JL, <laughs> Daryl Morey, the man, has signed a five-year deal to become the president of basketball operations at the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm tearing up as we speak. You've been waiting for this for a long time. It's no secret, and if you're just, you know, catching up, Sixers needed changes in the front office before there was changes like anywhere else on the court or in the coaching staff. We've got Dinwiddie, the Pacers assistant GM. He's going to be a voice in the room at the Sixers. 
We've got Alton Brand, who will now be good as a third voice in the room. And we've got Daryl Morey, the man who was Sam Hinkie's boss, who is the the legendary process uh, inaugurator. Is that a word? I don't think so, but we'll pay it. We'll pay it. He's Sam Hinkie's mentor, this man. He loves the Sixers. When I posted the news, I found some really bad pixelated photo of him for some reason wearing like a a Sixers top with a tanking. (laughs) Anyway, this is meant to happen. And I, and I know the rest of like Sixers Twitter are ecstatic about this news. We'll, We'll ask how you're feeling about it and then we'll keep going with my gloating. Well, I mean, it's a step up from brand. That's all you can say. Um, we know Hinky absolutely loves analytics and we've yet to see, you know, that sort of success in Houston despite, you know, they've changed the way basketball is being played. So obviously it's working because teams are adapting, or adopting, sorry, um, you know, that philosophy. So he's obviously so well regarded around the league, but is it, is it enough to get you over the top? Probably. I mean, you were, you were close a few years ago, but I mean, it's going to take a lot of time to, undo all the changes that Brand did in the last 18 months. So let's tick off a few of these, like as you're talking about, let's tick off a few of these things to not get people confused. Um, first one is coaches and GMs, anything off the court staff are much harder to analyze than players, obviously. Yeah. But it is obvious that Daryl Morey is one of the best GMs in the league, right? And whether it was the time that he built around Yao Ming and blah, blah at the start, he only went super small. Yes, he loved the threes, but he only went super small because Westbrook was basically, that was the perfect fit for Westbrook on the floor. And that's just sort of the way they were trending as a team. Anyone that thinks that he's going to walk into Philly and try and turn us into small ball uh, Houston is is mistaken. That's not going to happen at least for the first season. I don't think it'll happen at all. I just want to say first season because, I mean, and this can go a whole nother way, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not surprised if in maybe a year, maximum two years, Embiid's traded for Harden and then you're seeing <laughs> ben, ben Simmons as the Westbrook, essentially. You know what I'm saying. And I, I don't think it'll happen, but I get that there's always there's always a possibility, I suppose. But anyway, in general, as you said, and I believe the same, this is not that. <laughs> For anyone who's saying, oh, Daryl Morey, what's he going to do, small ball in Philly? It's not that – he's not that stupid. He's, there's not only one way to win in basketball. Um, and as you said, it's not even proven that that ultra small ball, that micro ball can actually win. However, some may argue that they were 27 missed threes in a row in game seven and a Chris Paul hamstring injury away from winning the championship in 2017. 18. Was it 18? I think so. Oh. I thought it, I thought it was a year after the, it was the first year of KD. That's what I thought. Oh uh, yeah. And then, yep. You, it, yeah. They had two years of CP3, didn't they? And then they. Yeah. 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 He, he's just a great, yeah. He's good with analytics. He knows how to, if you're ready to win now, he knows how to get you in a position to have your best crack. Um, unfortunately, the Golden State dynasty was happening at the same time and so was LeBron James was alive. So it doesn't look great, but I'm very excited and, uh, you know, very justifiable. Is that a word? Yep. I love being a dictionary. <laughs> I just and, make up words sometimes. And also your fact checker because it was 2018. I should have backed myself. Oh, what? Yeah. Shit. Anyway, mixing it up, whatever. But the bottom line is Daryl Morey is a great GM, one of the best in the league. And yes, we're in another thing to tick off. The Sixers are still in a big hole. And he's. I still reckon he's going to have to lose a trade or two to get us out of this hole. Mm -hmm. However, he is a much better guy than many others in the league and especially Alton Brand to get us out of this hole and get us in the best position we can from here, not from a year ago, get us in the best position where we can from this moment into a championship team or a championship contending team. Very excited. I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine. Also, on the same day, (laughs) this is hilarious. 
let's just take a walk down memory lane with the Philadelphia 76ers. Whether it's Nerlens Noel getting drafted, then missing basically his whole first year, or Ben Simmons doing the same, or Joel Embiid doing the same, or Markel Fultz forgetting how to shoot and doing the same, or Zaya Smith nearly dying from a peanut <laughs> allergy, <laughs> allergic reaction and doing the same, or missing their first years, or whether it's Jalil Okafor getting into a fight in the street while he was in Boston. Yeah, employed by us. Uh, whether it's our GM, Brian Colangelo, having burner accounts about his own team and then and bagging his best players and then blaming it on his wife. This team is never boring and not for the good reasons. It's always just something is stupid and crazy is happening. And on a beautiful day when we hire Daryl Morey, we also hire Pacers assistant Dan Burke. And may I remind everyone that Dan Burke, earlier this past season after the Sixers beat the Pacers, he said, yeah, this is his quote, yeah, I hate that team. (laughs) I really wanted to win that game. I think Embiid gets away with a bunch of crap the league ignores. (laughs) I love Dan Burke. He's so accurate. (laughs) And of course we hire him. We can't just go and have a normal team. I'm happy. Like I like the Pacers coaching overall in the last few years, you know, and their defensive approach, but how hilarious we could have hired another defensive coach, but we have to go hire the guy. It's not going to be a problem. He's going to love him beating the team now, but it's just hilarious. <laughs> it's just very sixes, isn't it? Yes, it is. So Philly rejoice. I am rejuvenated. I'm so excited for the season coming up. I was going to play one, two, three, four, five, sixes on this pod, but I decided not to because that might come back to bite me. <laughs> yeah, definitely would. I would never forget. Let's talk about the Rockets. They have hired their head coach, Stephen Silas. He's been for, he spent 40 years in the league doing different coaching assistant jobs. Uh, I believe lots of time in Charlotte, even Washington, and also obviously the Mavs and maybe another couple other clubs. But now he will be a head coach for the first time at the Houston Rockets. Let me just ask you this, JL. Will poor old Jeff Van Gundy ever get another job as a head coach? Hang on a second. How long has Steven Silas been around the NBA NBA for? 40 years. <laughs> 40 years. He's 47 years old. Well, I'm... Woj. Hold on. His dad was an NBA coach for... <laughs> Hold on. His dad was an NBA coach for 20 odd years. I'm I'm uh I'm tired, all right, JL. <laughs> Paul Silas. Oh. It's been 40 <laughs> years since his dad first got yes. the head coach. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Paul Silas became yeah, head coach in 1980. Sorry, sorry. I love when well, you do your research. Well, let me just say that Stephen Silas has been around the league. That's what I said. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and when and when I said he's been an assistant coach and doing stuff like that, I meant that sometimes he would have given his dad ideas. <laughs> dad, run the pick and roll. <laughs> so uh, I'm sticking to that. He's been around the league for 40 years, even helped out as an assistant when he was a kid, and he's been assistant to Steve Clifford and, of course, Rick Carlisle and all the rest. I'm not taking your slander. JL, I can't even hear you with that microphone. So, <laughs> Here we go. Um, so good on the uh, the Rockets for signing him. I was hearing via my sources <laughs> that this guy is a great guy and should have been a head coach. You know, should have been given a head coach job a while ago, forty years ago, forty years ago. So it was good that he's finally going to get this chance, and it'll be interesting to see what he does with the Rockets. Um, obviously there's not much to do, but let's be, it'll be interesting talking about rockets and coaches and stuff like that. Mike D'Antoni has found a job with his wife. <laughs> he will be an assistant coach along with Ime Idoka, who is leaving the Sixers. He's a former Spurs co- assistant coach. They're both going to be assistant coaches under Steve Nash at the Nets. what do you think of that one? I mean, are the 76ers, and the Nets just getting everyone available at the moment. That's just what Pretty it, much. That's just what it feels like. Um, Dan Tony. I mean, I feel like everything Nash, not everything Nash knows from basketball, but a lot of it comes from Dan Tony anyway. So 
how much of an impact he's going to have there, I don't know, because maybe Nash just is going to run what D'Antoni would have. Um, but I suppose having that, you know, that leadership role there and someone to rely on and someone to take advice from is probably going to help because obviously those two are quite close. I think it's going to work out well, and I think it's a very obvious hire because obviously this is Nash's first head coaching role. And as I said, Udoka's got good experience under uh, Popovich for seven years and then recently the Sixers. Uh, Mike D'Antoni speaks for itself. Steve Nash, KD and Kyrie apparently mutinied. Is that a word? (laughs) (laughs) You're just creating the extra ones at the moment. Mutinied out. um, What was the guy's name? The other coach? Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson, because apparently he wanted to start Jared Allen over DeAndre Jordan, their mate. How dare he? Yeah. <laughs> Which was the correct decision. So obviously they're running the show, right? These buddies. And I'd say that Steve Nash spending time with KD at the Warriors is their buddy. Uh, and it's going to be a buddy sort of thing. And then Dan Tony and Udoka and the other coaches will chip in with a bit more of the technicalities and, and the actual coaching stuff like that. Not to say Steve Nash won't be coaching, but I think he'll be calling the shots a lot rather than really coming up with, as I said, the coaching technicalities. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, there is still negotiations between the NBA and the NBA, NBPA, which is the Players Association, about the next season's start date. Uh, as Woj reported last week, they the NBA wants a December 22 start date just before Christmas um, and negotiations are still going on because the players want still like a mid-January start date and Danny Green took it upon himself to say that some of the players wouldn't be he, – he sort of jokingly said it, but some of the players wouldn't be starting as if, you know, if the season started, they wouldn't be starting Take some rest in days. December. I get what Danny Green's saying and I get why there's like, you know, the the disparity between the league and um, the Players Association. But at the end of the day, like 26 teams should be ready to go by, the, you know, the 22nd of December. Yeah. But the issue is you got, it's more or less just LeBron who do, like, well and truly deserves some more time off. But his voice is going to be, whatever he says weighs more than the whole, like the entire Charlotte organization. Imagine if they yeah. said, no, we're ready to play. And NBA would be like, yeah, but LeBron said this. So. <laughs> That's it. So, no, you're exactly right. Opinions-wise, I, I always think in these type of things, not that they're not humans, but in these type of things, I'm always, I bring up the money and I think to myself, sometimes we forget how much money these guys are getting paid. And if you're saying to me that you're getting paid that much money and it's like, let's start the season at this time, uh, the NBA wants it to happen only so that we can finish before the Olympics and not lose uh, reported $1.5 billion in revenue and also get 21-22 season perfectly on track. If I'm getting paid tens of millions, I'll be like, all right, you know, could be worse. And there's a sort of. I'm sure, like, sure if the league did push the 22nd of December date, and that's what happened. I'm sure they would understand players, you know, load management. Yeah, that's it. Without a medical reason, which is what you know they banned that with the Popovich Spurs a few years ago when he didn't play Duncan and gave him a did not play old, and they, and they find him because they're like, no, you got to actually play your players if they're healthy. I think the league would take a stand back and say, let them rest. That's fine. But did you see the um? Steph Curry's projected salary if they if they do start in January. Yeah, so he's what is he getting well, something like three million down to twenty five million, which yeah is just such a big pay cut. And I know it's still twenty five million dollars, but if you're a rookie that's coming to the league and the first thing you want to do is look after your parents and look after your family and whatnot, that's a big cut. Just to clear up, that was for if they started mid Jan, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly right. Like at the end of the day, this is this is a job. And people might come at me for saying, you know, human welfare and all this sort of stuff, but you get paid higher money in, in some jobs because of these type of sacrifices. Mm. So that's just my opinion. But we'll see what happens. 
we on the podcast would love for it to start just before Christmas. I love my Christmas Day NBA games and and I love getting basketball back as soon as possible. I mean, I couldn't do anything worse than waiting more time and having to do some more filler podcasts with you. They're hard <laughs> enough as they are, so get some basketball back on the screen so we can talk about something relevant. Well, let's get into the main event of today, our trade proposals. So what I asked you to do, JL, over this last day or so was to come up with some trades on the trade machine that you think are realistic to happen, a couple of those. And then if you could, I'm not sure, did you end up doing the unrealistic one that you'd love to see happen? I couldn't get it to work there. I mean, when you're trying to get (laughs) three max players on the same team, it was never going to work, but I'll I'll talk through what what I tried to do anyway. That's all right. Well, I came up with the unrealistic one and I'm very excited to say it. But let's start off with the first trade that you think is realistic and it would be obviously beneficial for at least one of the sides. We spoke about it in the last podcast. Well, not about this trade specifically, but one of these players. And I said, Carl Kuzma's never putting on the <laughs> Lakers jersey ever again. <laughs> um, just... There's, it's just not the right fit for him. Um, I give him a lot of, a lot of shit, but he's still a quite, he's still quite a talented young player. If he was on a developing team, you'd be quite impressed by you know what he can produce. Um, but I think it's time for him to go from LA. So the trade that I've managed to uh, make successful on the ESPN trade machine was Derek Rose for Alex Caruso and Cole Cole Kuzma. Karuzma, as I called him. Yeah, I like that on the on the dock here. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, great trade. I also was looking to get Derek Rose to the Lakers with my fake trade here and for Kuzma. And as we both discovered, the Lakers have absolutely nothing to give up and they're not giving up their first round pick for Derek Rose. And it's so hard to say goodbye to Caruso. <laughs> but- <laughs> it really is. I'm emotionally attached to him at the Lakers. But when you think about it, right, like let's talk the bigger picture. LeBron has two more years left on his Lakers contract. We do not know what is happening after that. Like you'd think he's going to continue, but we can't guarantee and the Lakers can't guarantee when when making these deals. And neither can, let me say this name, Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's a pretty good prediction to say that when Anthony Davis is already – they said that he's going to opt out of his player option and re-sign for the Lakers. He's probably going to sign something like a two-year deal with a third player option for this reason. If LeBron's going to retire after these two years or something, something along those lines, it could be basically a a blow-up of the Lakers and they just, championships are done. Yeah. LeBron's retired, AD goes to Chicago or something like that because they don't have that many assets let's be honest, to try and keep going with AD. It's going to be interesting how they collect their assets. So while we're talking about a two-more-year window to keep trying to win championships with LeBron and AD, age is not really a factor. I've lost how old Derrick Rose is. He's not young, but he's the perfect fit, especially if Rondo might go elsewhere. It's going to be interesting to see that. Derrick Rose is the perfect fit for the Lakers and Caruso can be sacrificed considering all the win-now variables that I just explained. Definitely. Well, I mean, Derrick Rose is what, only 32, but I say only, but his knees are 45. So can... <laughs> but he's come off his best season, more or less, you know, since he was an elite player pre-ACL. You know, 18 points per game, five and a half assists, and... He's he was so good in the isolation or in the pick and roll where he gets to go to the basket and score himself. Um, and we saw so many times throughout the playoffs when LeBron would sit, the only offense the Lakers would have would be Rondo to AD or a Rondo kick into the corner. And that's about it. So all your points are generated by someone's facilitating ability. But you need someone that can go and just score the ball. And that's exactly what Derek Rose would bring. Um, perfect for especially this season if LeBron's going to play a limited minutes. Um, we saw him talking to Obama the other day saying he's going to coast the first half of the season and cherry pick. Um, so someone <laughs> that can you know score you 18 and 9 is just everything the Lakers need right now. So unfortunately for Caruso and Kuzma, I think their time in LA is done. 
whether or not it'll be through this trade or anything else, I'm not sure. But I think the Lakers will definitely have their eyes on Derek Rose. A trade to start off with that we both agreed with. I just couldn't find any other outcome other than Caruso. I really don't think that the Lakers are attaching their first round pick to Kuzma for that deal, do you think? No, definitely not. Let's move on. The second one that you have. So this one has been rumored the last few days um, and it's getting me excited but also stressed um, and that's the Celtics really have their eyes on Rudy Gobert. Um, And just from a positional standpoint, well, obviously the Celtics have been weak at center the last few years. Um, Daniel Tice, while he's a great player, I use great a bit willy-nilly there, while he's a good player um, and quite serviceable, he's obviously only 6'9 and he's undersized. And when we had Bam Adebayo absolutely dominating the Celtics, it was clear that we needed an upgrade. Um, yep. And if we did get through that Miami series, Davis would have been twice as bad as Adebayo was. Um, yeah. So it's no surprise that the Celtics are looking at Gobert, who's a two-times defensive player of the year, probably I'm assuming three-times first-team all defense off memory. It's just a matter of how the Celtics get him. Um and I looked at a few different trades here. Um, the first one was just a direct between Boston and Utah. Um, and Utah, I'm assuming if they if this did go through, they would want Marcus Smart in return because mm-hmm. that the pairing of Smart and Donovan Mitchell would be seamless. I think those two would work so well together. Um, and then they might have to even throw in you – know, there's obviously going to be picks involved and stuff because Gobert is such a good player. Except a, the other asking point that Utah would want would be Jalen Brown, which I know Boston will just – if that is the case, Boston won't won't go through that with that trade. So the trade that I ended up working out that I think might, might work, I think maybe Indiana might get a bit shafted here, but it was going to be a three-team trade with Boston, Utah, and Indiana. Yep. So the Celtics would receive Boston, uh, Rudy Gobert and – Doug McDermott. Uh, the Jazz would receive Miles Turner, TJ Warren, the 30th pick from Boston via Milwaukee, and the Pacers would uh, would receive Gordon Haywood, the 14th pick from Boston via Memphis, and the 23rd pick from Utah. Um, Jesus. So it's a – I had a lot of fun with the trade machine on this one. <laughs> so I think Boston, obviously, I've spoken about why they would want to do it. We just need some strength at the uh, center position. Haywood – while you know in his limited time still showing that he's a good player except it's almost it's not redundant i suppose but when you're paying someone 32 million dollars a year to be your fourth option it's just not going to work especially when two of those options play the same position in the you know as a pruner player so i think haywood's time with boston's probably probably up um which would takes me to utah so they would the reasons why they would do it, which, I mean, it's not going to be easy for them to give up Gobert, but there's been the reported tension between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert for a while now. Yeah. Replacing Gobert with Miles Turner, who's still a good defensive center and provides a more more of an off- offensive upside than Gobert does, but obviously not the defensive prowess that Gobert does. So it's a bit of a trade-off there, um, but you're also getting a scorer to go next to Mitchell and Bogdanovich in TJ Warren. Um we saw what he could do in the bubble. You know, he had that 50-point game, a few 40s in there off memory. So we know he's a scorer. We know he does it efficiently. And I think he's not going to be able to lead a team to success himself, but he's going to be a good second and third scorer. And then lastly, why Indiana would do it. Sabonis over the last season and a half has looked like he'd be the guy rather than Miles Turner. Um, Yeah. And then you've got the advantage of selling – TJ Warren, while his, while his stock is as high as it's ever going to be. Um, I just spoke, you know, quite high praises for him. But at the end of the day, we've seen what he's capable of doing in this league and it's not what he did in the bubble is not sustainable. So if you can try and sell him while he's high, you might get some profit. Um, and getting the 14th pick and the 23rd pick, I think, will be great for a team that's sort of like halfway in between a rebuild. Um, yeah, they still finished fourth niece this year, but... There's the turmoil with Oladipo's contract and they don't really know what direction they're going to go. So if this is the start of you know something new, hoarding picks is going to be the best option. So that's the trade I've successfully made through the trade machine. 
very elaborate trade. Um, what was I talking for then, like five minutes? That was a mouthful. Oh. <laughs> um, so just looking at it, so Boston receive Rudy and Doug McDermott. Utah receive Turner Warren, 30th pick from Boston, and Pacers receive Gordon Hayward, the 14th pick, and the 23rd pick. What are your thoughts? I was trying to cook up a trade for Miles Turner to get to the Celtics. Um, I'm not sure how much this Gordon Hayward... Like, I like the thought, of course. It's the Gordon Hayward, Gobert, Miles Turner are all three players who are going to be very uh, hot topics in this trade market coming up. I feel like the Gobert thing is going to stay. I think Gordon Hayward and Gobert are going to stay put. Um, I do like to trade, but I think that Miles Turner would be a bit more realistic if someone could somehow um, cook up a trade to get Miles Turner to the Celtics and leave the Jazz to just keep trying to run it back and all the crap. I think that's the direction. I was trying to literally make that. Um, I just don't feel like there's going to be many teams that are going to uh, take on Gordon Hayward's contract for value. Um, including this type of trade. I'm not sure what the Pacers are going to do this offseason. It's going to be interesting, as you said, with all the depot. But I, I totally see where you're coming from, and you've made it work pretty well. It's definitely tricky. Uh, it's tricky. It's, it's, it's very it's, much... It's a tricky one. No team... Well, I mean, Boston will definitely... I think you know they would be the winners of this trade. Um, and that's probably why I was happy to, happy to do it because you know Convenient. That, that's what I want to see. But like, in terms of like, there's a little bit of something for everyone. But I don't think Haywood would probably. I think Hay Boston's going to offer Haywood, but I don't think teams will do it for him. Yeah, if it was yeah. the same trade for say Marcus Smart and Daniel Tice or something. I think that's more enticing for these teams. Um, yeah. So it's like, I think the Celtics may be stuck with Hayward, which isn't a bad thing. He's not a bad player. Uh, yeah. So I just, I don't know where it's going to go from here, but something along those lines would be great to see for, for my sake. Yeah. The big salary with Hayward is the killer. Big, the big salary and the injury, right? So the reason why he got signed to that salary, apart from having a good agent or whatever, is because he hadn't broke his leg and then just like sort of really stunted his career and his, um, he, what seems to be his, even his talent a little bit. Or yeah, he's just progression of talent. And so at this point in time, the big salary, $32 million it looks like from here, and the injury, how he hasn't really gotten back to his best is the thing that's going to keep him stuck and it's going to be very hard to get value back for him. And Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge is not going to trade away him for no value, basically. I think the, the frustrating thing is that, yeah, he had that gruesome leg injury that really set him back, you know, missed the entire season. Um, but when he's actually – since he's returned from that, he's played – good stretches of basketball where he's back to scoring 20 points a game, you know, yeah. the, the five rebounds, the four assists sort of thing on good efficiency. And then he does his ankle or then he does, you know, his knee. And there'd never been big injuries. Yeah. It's always enough just to put him back. You know, he might only sit out for four to six weeks, but it puts him back like six months of basketball because he's just never had that consistency to get to where he's, you know, where he was in Utah. That's it. Um, but I would, to conclude, I would like to see Miles Turner on the Celtics personally. I think that'd be a good one to see. It doesn't look like you have any more. That's it. Um, oh, so I'll just, I, I had a few more, so I'll smash through mine. So this is an obvious one. There's a guy called Buddy Heald who has not been returning his head coach, Luke Walton's calls at the Kings. And he's been liking all these things on Instagram about him landing at the Sixers. Buddy Hill wants to be at the Sixers. He is aware. I don't know if it's he wants to, or it's just under close or, you know, under the table behind closed doors, the deal's already been made. Um, but it's pretty obvious. He's on a big 24, 0.4 million a year contract. Al Horford, we all know, is on a terrible contract. He's on a 27 million a year, and that's blah, blah. So, buddy to the Sixers, Al Horford to the Kings. And when I say this, this is my first ever attempt 
making trades on the trade machine. So take this all with a grain of salt. Zaire Smith or Corkmars or a, or a pick to the Kings as well with, with Al Horford, but I've got Zaire Smith. He's young. He still hasn't got the chance to break into the team. I think that the Kings will um, appreciate his youngness. I might be overpaying with giving him instead of a pick, but one of those three, Cookmars, Zaya Smith, or the pick to the Kings to make them send over Buddy because I feel like we're more stuck than they are uh, in terms of that situation. Why do the Kings do it though? Well, Buddy is... Uh, been benched all last that, season. Why do they want Al Horford and Zaire Smith, who's played 13 NBA games? First, Al Horford, the main thing. They tried to experiment with Dwayne Dedman. That didn't work out. Marvin Bagley is a good player, but... Broken. To This is the thing. We've got to attach something to make them take the deal. So if we attach something young, whether it's a pick or these players... Take Al Horford. Al Horford can be the guy to, you know, the old teacher to Bagley and if they're keeping Harry Giles, you know what I'm sort of saying. They're just taking it for us, um, which is why we have to attach something and they don't. They're in a bad situation with Buddy, but we have to still convince them to take it. This is why we attach it. Al Horford's a good player. He's still a good player, just a terrible fit on the Sixers. It might be reaching, but I think the attachment of something like Zaire, Korkmaz, or the pick, or maybe Korkmaz and a pick, um, should be enough to entice them, especially giving up a player who doesn't want to be there. Yeah. We've um, we've got to we've got to make them bite. Definitely. I just don't see I mean, there's it's always tricky in NBA because there's teams that don't want don't want to be paying older players big money and then lose flexibility with their roster, but there's also teams that are happy to take on big contracts, let them expire and have, you know, lots of money for free agency plus in those, you know, the hypothetical situation, Hawford will be providing some veteran experience to a locker room and yeah, it's all pros and cons. Um, but I just, I just can't see the Kings following through because they've got such a, I guess, turbulent roster where so much is changing consistently. And they're not that far off. They're not going to win a championship or even like you know be a top four seed. But they're not that far off the eighth seed. They've got guys that can contribute, and especially if Bagley gets healthy and Giles has shown some flashes, but he's also been injured. Um, Harrison Barnes, I don't want to talk about because you you know my animosity <laughs> towards Barnes. But as soon as you got Horford there for what's he getting paid twenty six million a year, whatever it is thirty twenty seven something. It just it's not going to be anyone that. He's still a good player, and obviously the fit doesn't work in Philly, but he's not going to add any wins to them. He's not going to help them out. In terms of keeping De'Aaron Fox, who's you know their young star, you're going to have to try and start winning some games over the next few years. And if Horford's bogging you down, that's like to me that it just encouraged Fox to want to leave. Again, it's totally about them biting. I just hope that there's a factor of not many teams are going to come for Buddy. Um, and the only teams that are going to come for a player who's can't make it onto the court, as in to starting five um, with a $25 million contract for the next four years are going to be us basically because he's just a better fit. You know, it's a shit contract again, but it's a better fit. And teams like what, you know, like so the top teams in the East and the West aren't going to take that contract for him. Yeah. It's, it's only going to be like your Hornets or your, your Knicks and stuff like that. Anyone who's looking for... I feel like they would have to attach like a pick to get off him um, to give it to like the Bulls or something like that. Um, so I'm just hoping that the roles reversed and we, you know, we're like, you're going to win in terms of assets in this trade. Um, even if we have to put a couple of picks, I'm just hoping that that's the case. But you're right. we It's all about them biting. All right, moving on. Let's get on to my next couple and then my unrealistic one quickly uh so my next couple have one player in common and one team in common because it came yeah you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um so, oh, there's a guy <laughs> there's a guy called andrew wiggins who plays for the golden state warriors currently he is let's just say he's young because he's a little bit young uh he's on a 29 
$5.5 million contract uh, currently, you know, and for the next three years. The Warriors stars, uh, Clay Thompson and Steph, are 31 and 32 or 30 and 32 or something like that. The Warriors want to win now. Yeah. And this is not even talking their pick, but it's going to be maybe hard for them to negotiate because they've got that pick and people are going to be asking for it. And again, everyone needs to take this with a grain of salt. This is my first attempt at trade machines and stuff. I've got Andrew Wiggins to the Pistons with Eric Pascal to the Pistons for Blake Griffin. Okay. And it, and if they need to chuck on some pick or two, not the number two pick, because that's not worth it, tell me, just straight off, tell me how that is in your mind. Blake Griffin is earning, for the next two years, $35, 36000000 million. He's destroyed. His knee is destroyed. Um, he would be a great fit for the Warriors. They could just chuck out Draymond or some shit. Um, <laughs> and... This is the theme of this trade in my next one. What have either of these sides got to lose with this uh, attempt at this trade? Wiggins is young. Why can't the Pistons try and rejuvenate? So is Pascal, and he looked all right this season. Blake Griffin is the opposite. He's the same age. He is 31, I believe it is, and he is, you know, the age of Steph and Clay. It's time to win now with Steph and Clay. They also, they also like the Lakers are going to burst in a couple of years because it's just going to, they're going to go from, you know, their veteran guys to just crap, but it's time to win. What do you reckon, Blake? I don't think the Warriors would do it personally. No. Um, Only because of injury concerns. And I, I was thinking about trying to move Blake as well, but I didn't really know where, because he's sort of in that almost a Gordon Hayward position where we know the talent's still there, but, availability is the best ability sort of thing and he's been injured so much of late that we don't really know what you're going to get. He only played 18 games this year, averaged 15 points per game. Yeah, yeah four assists and three – or four rebounds and three assists. So he's still a good player. Yeah. And he's always – you know, he was fantastic. 2014, I think he came third in MVP voting. Like, I think he's been underrated throughout his career. And his the way he's transformed his game to be able to shoot from outside rather than just trying to dunk on everyone's been, you know, that's like credit to Blake. That's incredible. Like there aren't many players that can do that. But if the Warriors are trying to compete now, which they are, they've got this small window. I don't think they're going to throw money at someone that they don't know is going to be available. Um, and then the other issue is that they need someone that can defend the interior. I think that's their biggest target right now. Um, and Blake Griffin's not the one to do that. His vertical leap's not as good as it once was. He's got short arms. He's not. He's never been a rim protector. And I know they've got Draymond for that. And I think for the small ball, it'll work. But the what the Clippers and the Warriors and these teams are now trying to work out, if we get to the Western Conference Finals, how do we hold down AD and LeBron? And you need someone that's versatile to defend AD, and I don't think Blake Griffin's the answer there. Yeah, he definitely isn't in terms of defending AD. You're totally right in terms of the injury stuff. But I reckon they would, again, I, I just uh, what what have we got to lose in terms of this? Yeah, I don't know. Offensively, might... it would be a nightmare for other teams. Yeah, and I guess they would hope that Kavon Looney and Draymond could have a crack at AD on, on defense. Yeah. And um, on the offense, they try and they have the mentality that we're the best again. Um, I would love to play and- offensively because Blake's ball handling ability and passing ability yeah. has been overlooked for so long. He's so and- with the ball in his hands. And Wiggins and Pascal, other side, makes sense, you reckon? I actually like Both- that part of the trade. Um, yep. Wiggins, <laughs> I would feel so bad if it was if Wiggins did go for Wiggins because. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of his issues are partly his fault. I don't think he's got the highest work ethic. No one ever talks about, you know, how hard he's working away from the court. It's always he's relying on his athleticism and doesn't really care for basketball. You know, he improved, he improved, he improved, and got that big contract and then nothing. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe it's deserved in a way for Wiggins, but imagine you spend so many years with Detroit, and not with um, Minnesota, sorry, 
and then get traded to Golden State Wildly shit for that one year, knowing that we're going to the finals the next year, <laughs> and then be sent to Detroit. Uh, that would just be demoralizing. That would probably be the end of his career. He wouldn't improve after that point. Yeah. And, and also, can I mention that I didn't trade their number two pick? So I reckon that could genuinely be a thing. Of course, the biggest concern is uh, Blake Griffin's injury stuff. But if they're willing to gamble on Blake Griffin being on the court, they could draft, um, is it Wiseman? Yeah, who's the Wiseman. biggest player in, he, in the top players? He does look good, but and I, I kind of want to see it. I think Wiseman would be a good fit if he was, you know, if um, I know I said Clef there, in Steph and Clay were a few years younger, they'd have, you know, had a bit more time to develop. Um, but, you know, we've seen time and time again that rookie big men just don't know how to defend in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. Say it takes three seasons or even two seasons to get to that point. There's two seasons wasted, sort of thing. Um, but I, I, that's the one thing I didn't think about. If they, if they did work out a way to, you know, if they did have a plan in place to trade the number two pick and maybe like, I don't know, could have on Looney's names coming to my head, but. They'd probably try and keep him as a backup. But say they did have a a trade in place for the number two pick for a big man, and I can see this trade going through. So um, say you've got Steph, Clay, Dre, Blake, and a, you know a talented big man, that would work. It's going to be interesting to see what that. I couldn't. I just didn't think of a trade for that number two pick. But so interesting to see what the both uh, want to win now. Uh, Wolves and Warriors do with their one and two picks. So my final and unrealistic trade. It's success actually via the trade machine. However, it's not going to happen. Okay. Um, and of course, as a Sixers fan, it's Sixers beneficial. Hit me. I love Dwayne Dedman. <laughs> <laughs> and the Sixers, when they made... Then when they took the champ last year's champions to four bounces on the rim in game seven, they did so without a backup center, like literally a no backup center. Yeah. We went out and we went out and just went crazy getting a backup center with Al Horford, blah, blah, went terrible. We need a cheap-ish backup center that's also decent on both ends of the floor. And... For for backup minutes, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And tightens up in the playoffs. I believe Dwayne Denman can be that. So here's my trade. It's a three-team trade. The 76ers, the Hawks, and the Kings. Yeah. The 76ers receive <laughs> Dwayne Denman, Buddy Heald, Kevin Herter, and Trey Young. Oh, God. It solves our shot career... Uh, Perimeter shot creator um, problems and definitely our spacing problems. Ben Simmons has already said that oh, he was happy. Can you name those players again for me? <laughs> Dwayne Edmund, Buddy Hill, Kevin Herter, and Trey Young. <laughs> 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 um, and it works, bro. <laughs> um, anyway, so obviously Dwayne Edmund slots into the Backup center, Buddy Heal just finds a place shooting where we need shooting. Yep. Kevin Herter can either come off the bench for a shooter or blah, blah. And Trey Young is our point guard, basically, and our defensive monsters can make up for his defense. Uh, the Hawks receive Tobias Harris, Shake Milton, and our first-round pick, the tw- pick 21 in this draft. So 21... Shake and Harris, they'll love Shake and and, <laughs> and the Kings, just as before, they receive Al Horford and Zaire Smith. And Come on. And it works. The only ones that are saying no in that trade, really, are the the Hawks aren't giving us um the Hawks aren't saying yes to any of that. But I got come I, on. I got trade failed. I, I put it in and it didn't work. Oh damn. I don't know why. I, I used uh, Trade NBA or something like that. Oh, well, I don't know. We'll take yours then. If it works, it works. Yeah. yeah, so it solves all our problems pretty much. I think the Hawks say no because they don't want to have to take on Shake Milton's $1.5 million uh, contract. 
<laughs> and they're definitely happy to take on $35 million a year for Tobias Harris. Without a doubt. Uh, now, obviously the Hawks say no, but other than that, that's pretty same as my Horford uh, buddy trade that may become a reality. Um, I mean, the Hawks can just run it back with uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. That's fine. That's right. And they have Shake Milton instead of Trey Young. Who's <laughs> tra- Shake Milton, I'm pretty sure he – was it seven or nine threes he hit against the Clippers this season? Surely that's near Trey Young's three-point in a game record. Um, so Shake Milton's a brighter spark than Trey Young. It's obvious. Give him, give him to us. Kevin Herter, give him to us. Dwayne Dedman, I've always wanted him as a backup center behind Embiid. Tighten up the minutes in the playoffs. Trey Young can sit in the playoffs or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, we would really need him for the creation. But that is my... Uh, my unrealistic trade. We will. I'll post all our trade ideas well, on our. I've got one more for you. Yes, I, I managed to make one more. And yes. this was my my girlfriend's favorite players all in one. Thing. <laughs> um, and I fiddled with a few. So her favorites are her, her number one favorite is Luca, as mm-hmm. you know, as you can imagine. Um, also has a fetish for for Nikola Jokic. Uh, mm. loves Giannis, loves Kemba, and loves Boban as well. Um, so I was trying to fiddle around with it, and I couldn't get Kemba and Giannis and Luka and uh, Jokic on the same team, but I did manage to get uh, Boban, Luka, and Jokic together. So I've got <laughs> – I, I think this actually might go through. So the the Mavericks would have to get rid of Luka, which is – which is steep. So we've got Denver receiving Luka Doncic, Seth Curry, and Boban Marjanovic, and the Dallas Mavericks receive Gary Harris. <laughs> um, and I, I got, I can't work out why any of these teams would say no because Denver, <laughs> Denver would do it because according to the trade machine, uh, it would increase their their win rate by eighteen wins for the season. How funny uh, is the win rate thing? I love it. And then Dallas would. <laughs> lose 29 wins on the season, but that'd make my girlfriend happy. And I reckon I'd probably do it. So I've got no reason to to believe that that trade would go through. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, oh, well, I hope that Jamie gets her wish and Luca and <laughs> Jokic and all that join up. But yeah, there's our, there's our trade ideas and our unrealistic trades. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. The draft is November 18th. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. We've got a busy schedule up ahead. We've got the draft coming up, free agency, and, of course, the season is looming. So stick with us. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow or whatever that button is on your podcast app. If you are on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, don't forget to leave a review or a five-star rating. It really helps the show. Don't forget to check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and we put up lots of content, lots of basketball, NBA updates and news, and also we love to get your opinion on those socials. JL. Nice. Thank you. Thanks for coming on today with your terrible microphone. <laughs> My pleasure, mate. <laughs> I'll speak to you next week. Everybody, <laughs>